This episode is brought to you by Sherlock, a BIM coordinator's best friend, giving BIM coordinators time back in their day to tackle problems that matter. Sherlock, built by BIM coordinators for BIM coordinators. Hi, everyone. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the hosts and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. I'm David Campbell. And I am Jordan Bullock. And I'm Joseph Whitney. This is Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction processes, technology, BIM, and beer. First of all, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brewing with BIM. We have Bill Sutton here with us today. Uh, my drink of choice, uh, since it's early in the day for me, and I've got a lot of work still ahead of me, um, I am drinking... Some Aerial Resupply First Watch uh, Iced Coffee, a uh, veteran-owned coffee company, which is great coffee. Um, not sure if you have a beverage in hand, Bill, but if you are, let us know what you're drinking. Sure thing, man. I am a uh, Starbucks addict. I'm there every morning. I get my day started just with an iced coffee and um, keeps me going throughout the day. So, Cheers. Cheers. Actually, it's pretty much exactly where I'm at this morning as well. Um, I went away from my, uh, the normal I like to do is either an Americano or, you know, if I'm feeling sweet, I'll go for their white chocolate mocha. But I decided to, I saw this like iced uh, shake apple kind of oat milk espresso, like one of their shaken espressos. And I was like, yeah, it's fall. I'm going to try one of those today. <laughs> and I got a heart attack. I was going to say, I have a heart attack in a can. I've got a peach Red Bull over here. So I had a little bit of an early morning. So I, I uh, stopped, swung by sheets, got some gas, got some Red Bulls, and uh, away we went. So we're we're up and going today, though, guys. My, my taste buds awesome. are frowning at both you guys. They're, I'm ashamed. <laughs> no, it's not good. All right. Well, thank thank you uh, for all that, guys. And um, as I said, Bill Sutton's our guest today. Bill, you are um, you've been at Maori for how long? Eight years now, and I started in uh, project management and kind of migrated towards um, external facing, you know, customer experience and the relationships. And now I'm chief strategy officer. So you know, really tackle a lot of different di- different big picture things that we're working on well, well it's definitely working i see you guys all over uh linkedin it's my main form of social media these days uh beautiful projects um and you guys are in the central pa region uh, i'm just over on the western side of the, s- the state so uh making my way out yeah. there quite a bit but uh most of those buildings out there you know a lot of them got your guys's name on it you guys uh, had a hand in, in developing those so um cool yeah. cool uh boom to the region thank you yeah and that's um actually i think some some of what we'll talk about today is um you know how we've worked with technology to broaden our footprint even um you know we've grown regionally here the last few years we're we're working further away but we're able to stay connected um with various technologies and uh, i'll love to get into that a little later so yeah, we're based in Central PA, but now we're working in, you know, five different states throughout the region. So West Virginia, Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Um, and yeah, it's been fun to see us uh, grow over the last eight years. 
Hey, Bill, for anyone that doesn't know about your company, can you just give a little bit of an overview on what you guys kind of do? Sure. Um, happy to. Thank you. Um, the cool thing is we're almost 100 years old. We'll be turning 100 in 2025. Um, so we, we were kind of started in central PA, uh, homegrown, small construction company. And through the years, we've evolved um, to really encompass everything involved in a in a development project or a construction project from design. We have in-house engineering, architecture, CAD, Revit, um, virtual design team members, uh, all the way through um, construction and even have developed a special projects group, which really focuses on like maintenance and upkeep and adapting existing buildings. So um you know we have a really cool history that you know i'm i'm proud to be a part of and and part of our innovation team that you know we really feel like um in order to be around for another hundred years we have to be at the forefront of technology and and be looking ahead heck yeah man i love that yeah i i I do too and i i want to say kind of you know as you were explaining kind of what you guys do, how the services that you offer, um, it kind of seems like, you know, you guys are positioned perfectly really for utilizing the data from, you know, knowing essentially what you need, you know, having that connection from the design into, you know, take us into engineering, into your project managers, into, I mean, all all of it, um, you guys can essentially utilize technology in, in many different ways, but also, um, you know, we talk about how a lot of times it can get disconnected and how much damage that can do, even just from the general, you know, construction, um, general construction projects, when it's not design, bid, build, you know, when it's not kind of controlled and in-house, you you get a, a wide variety of data. Do you guys see that? I mean, yes. with your position, I'm kind of seeing like, do you guys find that, you know, I guess, um, doing that in-house and, or, or at least, uh, I, well, I want to say, you know what, doing it in-house enables you guys to really control that stream of data, but also to really, I guess, understand the value of that, you know, whether it's, well, it helps them the next, it helps them enhance the deliverable to the owner for sure. Um, Maori, I see you guys have quite a bit of repeat owners, uh, on your projects. So that being, um, you know that that speaks high volumes to you guys but being able to re- leverage that data over and over and over again across existing mm-hmm. projects for the same owner uh, are you guys getting any benefit out of that you mentioned a special projects team uh, managing facilities and stuff like that is is anything coming to play there i'm just curious yeah yeah let me i'll tackle the first question that was brought up which is really um the data and i find you know collaboration Collaboration can be difficult, right? Especially when you're talking about different, um, you know, different team members. Like on a given construction project, you probably have five to ten different kind of designers that are need to collaborate, share information, um, and and make sure we're all talking, you know, the same language, and and we're all working together. Um, so we have learned over the last couple of years that. We need to pause and communicate and have what what we call quality control over the data. Um, and you know our teams, we we actually have a guy specifically now 
who looks at the details, looks at the control points, and makes sure that the data is clean and we're all referencing kind of those same anchor points when we're doing the design. So, um, yeah, awesome. the last thing that we want to have happen is, you know, have a gap. We're, we're kind of we're kind of promising an all in one solution uh, with collaboration. And and, you know, if, if you have a breakdown in the data, it could be a massive uh, you can leave something missing for sure. Awesome. Yeah. One of, yeah, yeah. One of the common themes here that we talk about quite a bit on the Brewing with BIM podcast is uh, data silos and really trying to keep your data connected. Mm. And, uh, try, you know, we have all these different programs within the design industry and even leading into facilities management and operations management. There's all these different softwares out there, these all, all these different tools. Everyone wants you to go to their data uh, environment. But one of the big things that we try to com combat here and we talk about quite often is uh, trying to mitigate those silos and really squash them. Um, how are you guys managing mm -hmm. that kind of internally or uh, you know, any, any insight you want to share on that uh, or any problems you run into within the industry um, of those data silos? I, I'd be curious to know a little bit more about that. Sure. I, that's a great question, Jordan. I mean, we, we have um, what we call our partner process. And one of the first things we do is we sit down with the team and we identify responsibilities. And, and when it comes to the design, we like to choose a leader you know, within that so that we don't have too many cooks in the kitchen, too many chiefs. And, and we really have one front leader who's going to gather, um, organize, align that data um, early in the process. We don't want to figure out, you know, months down the line that, you know, whatever my mechanical model is not going to work with the architectural or structural. So we just try to identify that early in the process and work through that and get everybody working on the same platforms um, that, that generally works for us. But again, it's tough to do um, because naturally every design team member is they're, they're in their own evolution of, of BIM. And um, for certain projects, we can bring on all A players um, to collaborate, but there are times where we bring people who need some development in that area. And that's just part of, part of where we're at right now. No, that makes sense. Um, is it easier? I'm, I'm sure it is, but um, is it easier to kind of manage that in-house since you guys are really encompassing everything from design construction to facility management or at least the maintenance side of things? Yes, that that's one benefit that we have is um, our team is used to taking that leadership role and we have the technology to do it in-house. We have the, the um, you know, full-time CAD and Revit guys that they can take it. They can clean up models that that maybe are a little bit uh, out of alignment, and and we can make them all work. So yeah. Okay. Awesome. Now awesome. one of my one of my questions off of that would be, um, how are you guys positioning? Are you? I mean, I'm, I'm I'm assuming that it is really more of like the turnover package and asset management, really handing over a good um like a, an actual you know let's say an intelligent model with data in it that they may be able to navigate through and you know find asset data or you know whether it's um valves or you know an ahu for an example or what have you um or are you guys or or is it more of you are offering you know facility kind of management or assistance with that facility management to owners 
That's a great question. I mean, I'll talk about like the three stages of our projects and, and how we're using it. Some of it is basic, but we still find that clients cannot visualize, you know, what we're putting down on paper. So just a, a simple virtual um, walkthrough of their building um, that that sheds light on so many different issues um that otherwise in 2d you know we, we were we're not going to figure that out until the building is built so um we we troubleshoot a lot with our clients up front in a visual environment um even just orienting the building and signage and how it how it's going to appear to surrounding areas yep. that's been massively helpful for us um and then secondly really focused on construction um, and avoiding issues in the field. Um, again, back to, I, I think what we want to talk about today was, look, we're trying to do more with um, less labor than we've ever had in the construction industry, which really means, hey, let's invest a lot more time in planning, um, eliminating uh, clashes prefab as much as we can to drive down that labor in in the field and so we focus a lot of time on that coordinating um we started doing you know virtual exploded mock-ups of certain details so that we can really let our teams um, dig in and and see how parts and pieces come together for example windows doors different parts and pieces of the building um and, and that saves a lot of money even. I mean, mock-ups can be expensive in the field. If we can do that virtually, um, it's a huge time savings. I'd say the next frontier for us is kind of to work with that client to give them something that they can work in. Um, we're not quite there yet. That's, that's on our radar. Um, I love to talk about, and, and I love that we're moving towards a world where there's a digital twin of that facility that, um, you know, digitally they understand how it's working. Um, we do a lot of process and industrial projects. So we're, we're, we're working with a couple clients on how, how to do that. Um, you know, but that's mm -hmm. kind of the next frontier for us. Well, I think you touched on a huge point there, Bill. There, there's education. I think that's needed along with that. Right. Um, because if you're going to hand over, yeah, that some, something like that, I mean, in, in all honesty, it is valuable. It is very valuable, not just for knowing what's inside of that building and, you know, just being able to see the difference for visualization. But I mean, if you think about the different levels of, you know, an owner of what levels they, they, they can use that data for their facility management, a lot of the um, tracking of the systems. I mean, there's so many different ways that we can we can utilize that, but it it does take education and i think that's what we're going to need to get to that new frontier that that new kind of future of technology the way that owners will utilize this data um i mean you, you honestly you touched on a couple points man joey joey and i we uh we love to talk about um you know the thought process that goes into you know whether it's purchasing a building it's buying a building somewhere um you know you talked about mm just being able to visualize the surroundings. And that that's a huge part that goes into construction. And especially when we start, you know, we start thinking about 
the, the future of this, the smart cities and how we can connect everything together, um, whether it's demographics or psychographics, Joey, I think we talked about that, right? Um, and, and just like how this building would be able to fit into its surrounding and is it going to benefit the neighborhood or the, you know, the commercial area that it's in, um, you know, to, you know, the owner going to purchase a building that is already there and looking to rehab it or refit it. Um, there's, you know, so many ways that we could go with this data. I'm super excited to get there yeah. too, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, <laughs> I think it does take that education, I man. It does, and, and and again, we're we're still learning how to leverage this in in our industry. And like you said, I think the the building owners that's that's the next frontier. Um, just to, you you touched on something. I just want to you know highlight as as we start to help clients search for sites and for for either you know existing sites or new new pieces of real estate that they want to develop an emerging need that we're starting to see and, and there's maps and overlays is availability of utilities. So electric, yes, water, gas, and, and with modeling, you know, I think traditionally we've modeled, you know, the built environment, what you can see, but I think we're going to need to start to look at, you know, the grid availability of uh, the power usage of that building What's what's nearby? Where's the closest uh, substation? Um, because we're just seeing more and more of a, a need for electric, whether it's automated manufacturing, the electric vehicle charging uh, infrastructure cool. that's coming on board. And just it, it becomes a, another challenge to to need to model and look at. Yes. The, the crazy yes, thing is we actually have a lot of this data um you know not going back for a long time or anything but like you know buildings have the system calculate like we we know what a building is going to require for the most part um we have uh, asset management systems you know most most large cities do um identifying infrastructure and same with i, I worked in the gis and surveying industry like we we did track all this information we did you know, map it and, and apply, um, uh, you know, the information uh, to know. So, like, if, if we did find a way to connect this data, it's there, it's available. Uh, it's just they're all disconnected systems. How do we tap into that? I mean, that's that's yeah. an exciting point. Yeah. You you mentioned something um, that is the whole reason why I wanted to chat with you. Like this 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 the, your outlook on the growth um, and the upside for construction labor was. Uh, kind of blew me away. Your take on it. You said something. Uh, you know, we're always doom and gloom. Oh, we got to get young people involved. We got to get young people involved. Why? You know, construction's a sh shrinking industry, yet it's one of the most stable, most high-paying. Um, you know, we account for like twenty-five percent of the workforce, whether directly or indirectly. How come? You know, there's a the, you know young people aren't getting in. And then you had said something to the effect of. Well, other industries are dropping their smartest because their jobs are being automated or, or something to that effect. Um, mm -hmm. And you you had said something to the effect that um, our industry is poised to take on those best and brightest from other industries to help make construction better or something those longs. How did you come to that realization? Um, again, I, I'm always looking at uh, um, 
you know, the challenges that are coming down the pike for us as an industry. And I'm also looking for, you know, I, I see those as gaps. And I also look in other industries where there might be additional supply or opportunities that could fill those gaps. And it was just one of those discussions. I looked at two correlating stats, you know, uh, where, and I just made that connection. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing more. I work with middle school kids on a STEM program. Um, it's called the Future City Program, where we're teaching sixth, seventh, eighth graders about building futuristic cities. And I'm seeing light bulbs go off for these middle schoolers when when they're modeling the cities or they're seeing it in a digital digital world. You think about these young minds that have they've been working on iPads and iPhones since they were born. Um, they see the world through technology. And when you can apply that to the built environment, there's light bulbs going off that otherwise, um, you know, wouldn't have. And I think engineering moving forward with the use of AI and the use of technology, it can be more readily available and, and applicable to construction. So um, I do see that. I see, again, there's going to be a lot of mundane jobs going away through, through AI um, and that there's a lot in the construction field that you just cannot automate and, and you won't be able to automate for quite some time that, um, you know, there's just a great opportunity there. So I'd love to see that happening. Um, we just kicked off a workforce development council here in central PA that we're working across a broad spectrum of organizations to, to work on this exact challenge. And how do we, how do we market to people that maybe their career has been eliminated in, in one field and how do we connect the dots, um, to construction? That, that's, Man, such that's awesome. Powerful, yeah, that's such a powerful it, yeah, like, thought too. Considering it's we have to build so dude. much, it is right. We have to build yeah. so much um, infrastructure and replace existing infrastructure, and we have to deal with the you know the rising um, uh, rising population. You know, there's so much that we have to account for, um, but yet you know we're seeing that kind of drop off in uh, young people getting interested. In construction, I, I think there's going to be a wave. There's definitely stuff changing. But your thoughts on, like, oh, you know, we're still going to be here building. People are going to need jobs. They're, you know, they were smart somewhere else. They're going to come here. There was a, um, there was a company that went out of business now, but they they were a technology first uh, company mm -hmm. uh, in the construction industry. They quickly grew to like grew to like one of the top ten multifamily uh, builders in the country. But they mm -hmm. were founded from a tech first. Um, thought yeah you you might have followed him katera i did i followed yeah. them yes yes so i mean their issues aside leading with technology got you know uh got them a great workforce it got them uh, you know massive expansion you know they were starting to control the supply chain i, I think mm -hmm. covid uh yeah. and being over leveraged definitely caught up to them uh yeah. but but leading with technology, getting smart people that are not necessarily involved in the in the construction or construction supply yeah. chain in the industry helped solve some unique problems um, that I think a lot of people are starting to replicate uh, that solution in, in, in their own environments today. So it's I don't know. It's pretty remarkable to see. I, I think technology's kind of a great equalizer, right? It doesn't care. 
uh, what background you came from or anything like mm. that. If you can learn how to manipulate it and use it to your advantage, um, you know, it's only going to give you a le leg up. You know, it's going to make you more efficient in your estimating and communication, collaboration, all that sort of stuff. Um, totally. It can. Yeah. It can. It, it can. can. Yeah, it it's, can. Not going to. <laughs> it's, it's like any tool, right? I, I love the analogy, yeah. you know. Um, technology could be like a hammer, right? And if you're if you try to hammer a nail with with the claw side of the hammer, it doesn't work. You know, you have to use <laughs> yeah. the tool properly um, to get the intended outcome. But yeah, I, again, we we vet a lot of different types of technology, and with the premise, there's three things that that look. Does it make our teams more efficient? Is number one. Like that, it has to check that box. Does it make the client experience better is number two. And number three is really, does does it make our team safer? So we have three checkbox when we're evaluating technology. Ideally, they check all three. Um, and, um, you know, if they check two, then when we really push it to the next level and start to integrate it. Um, but yeah, so... That's a little bit. Katera uh, was was a sad story. They were ahead of their time. Um, you know, I think a world where you can kind of seamlessly pre-manufacture high quality, uh, you know, materials and cut down on on your schedule on site. That 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 checks all three boxes. You have, um, you know, more efficient construction you have a safer job site because you don't have as many you know overhead and 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 high risk things going on site and you have a better better client experience it, it happens quicker and better so um yeah we'll see more of that in the future for sure that's awesome man i mean i, I i'm excited to see where technology goes and you know how it continues to help and and, and change um kind of how how we see things um yeah i'm still kind of i'm still kind of stuck on your stem program dude that's awesome like i i have kids so <laughs> i i'm like man i need to get my kids into one of those programs like you know uh, but it's it's um it, it's awesome and and i just wanted to and i'm kind of stuck on it because it's it is it is very motivating to hear about that you know we talk about um kind of getting the younger um, younger generations involved in construction and Joey and I, you know, we'll say a lot of times it's, it's technology, figuring out how to connect with their passion, whether it's, you know, VR, MR, AR, or, you know, um, you know, many different ways of, of getting into it, but essentially just like you said, getting that light bulb is, is very awesome. Cause that's the, uh, when they make that connection and you start to see the light bulb, it's, it's very, very, awesome to see that they want to get motive or they, they want to get involved at that point right yeah um, yeah yeah nothing has been more rewarding we've been running the program for 18 years and i you know i've i've had kids come through the program who are now running engineering departments in in, in yeah. significant companies and they come back and they I've, I've had them say and it's touching I would never have become an engineer if it wasn't for the Future City program. So um, that's been my kind of little uh, contribution to to the market and to our region, and um, very proud of that. But again, it's like we we still there's still a lot of kids out there that um, you know need to get exposed to it, and uh, we're working every day to try and find those avenues to do that. Heck yeah. 
That's great to hear. That really is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one, one thing that I just wanted to, you know, maybe leave with, or, um, you know, I, I, one thing that's interesting is just this, I do, I do see a world where, look, the, the building is designed virtually, you know, the, the teams in the field are working off of that virtual model. Um, and, and I know Ox Blue has, is working on like a very AI and smart camera system that's detecting um, the building being built and then relaying that information back into the model um, to, to show progress. Like I, I, we yes. love that. We love that where the, the schedule is always updating. We know when, uh, when and where materials are in, in transit, in fabrication, in um, being assembled on site. We know where workers are, but I want to know all that data, you know, with cameras. I want that, that data fed to me. So like, I love, I, I see that happening in the next 10 years. That's encouraging, just a more smart job site. Um, so, you know, that's the next frontier for us. That's, yeah, that's, we, on, we that's were just awesome. At a, we were just at a conference uh, in Chicago. There was, a, there was a few of them, the Advancing Construction Technology and the Advancing, uh, or what was the other one, AGCITCon? AGCIT, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the Advancing Construction Conference, um there was somebody there that was showing off uh something to that exact same thing like one it did uh, a ver verification and stuff like that see if it was installed in the correct place but the other part is it would take an image and tell you what's been installed from the model based on yes. that image it was yes. it was pretty cool that is cool i mean what the the one thing we've done that our facilities and maintenance teams love you've you've probably heard of it the hollow builder application so we set up um, set points within a building and at different construction intervals, we go and take 360 degree imagery and um, we're giving them multiple, um, you know, 360 degree views of that building as the walls are coming up. So you got, you know, framing, the rough ends in the walls, it's covered up by drywall, you have ceilings, you have flooring. But they're able to, I, I hand that file over to them um, post-construction, and then when they need to go back and peel back layers to see what's behind walls and stuff, they have all that imagery. So that's a huge tool for us. We're using that on on our major projects as well. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we so we've been really excited to see how, I mean, and, and this is something I, I'll probably need to, say first how AI can be used in construction, but how it can be used as a tool. You know, kind of as you said earlier, uh, AI is not going to completely replace humans in construction. You know, it's it's just not. It, the reality of it is um, construction will still always need that human interaction, that human touch, um, mm -hmm. to, because there are always going to be the unknown things that can happen because it's construction. I mean, yeah. if you're well, you're building something new or you're getting into something old, there are going to be unknowns or, or things that you cannot control. Um, and even then, even on a brand new project where you can control almost every aspect of it, there are going to be some things that will that will change that will be different. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think being able to utilize AI now, of course, in its infancy stages where it is right now, 
yes, we do have a lot of different use cases. Um, I mean, it is somewhat limited as I've found. You got to kind of filter and focus um, some of your analysis points. But it, it, yeah, dude, in the future, like I can see it widening out and and being able to analyze vast amounts of data that we can't, you know, honestly, as a, a project manager or even as a super or someone watching all these different projects and, and trying mm -hmm. to see how they are, what they're doing. I mean, it's really, really hard to get into all the granular details and have a really good understanding of how that's going to affect it. But yeah, you know, having, oh, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> No, no, no. I was, I was gonna agree, and and I will say there's certain industries that that we have created uh, smart smart databases on. So like the warehouse, to me, is probably the one we have the best handle on. So for the last forty years, we've built you know a vast majority of the of the warehouses in in this central PA market. We're probably a top three market in the country. Um, largely because you can reach 60% of the U.S. population within a day's drive here, right? So it's it's a great logistics yeah. hub. Yeah, we're I'm I'm over in Pittsburgh, and we're okay 500 miles from 51% of the U.S. population. There you like go. That's a that's a staggering <laughs> metric to think about. Yeah. So the industrial warehouse space, they're they're fairly simplistic buildings. We've boiled it down to 20 questions that we can ask a developer and it will put out an approximate cost based on those 20 questions, which is pretty remarkable. Um, yeah, and we've and we've, we've put all that data in a, in a smart database so that when we plug in those 20 questions, it's able to tell us um, a, a, with, with very tight accuracy you know, a range of costs for them. So that's, yeah. and again, I th listen, the, the ability to um, early in a project project cost, that, that would be a huge benefit. And again, we, I, I know I've learned about, um, you know, the, the 4D BIM models or 5D where you have cost and time <laughs> built in. I haven't seen that really fully built out, I, but I think, Listen, once we get that and it's accurate, that's going to that's going to be a whole new frontier. Oh, right, yeah, I, 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 com I completely believe it. So I'm on the I'm on the takeoff side as well. And yeah, I mean, yeah. there's some applications where uh, I mean, in all honesty, dude, I, I, I see it completely like you, it's completely going to change the game when, we, when you can take the model, when you can take it and it has that precision that we have, it knows that I mean, it, let's say for Revit and in this example, a slab, a wall, the window, the door, it knows what it is. All the parameters inside of that element are right there. And I mean, being able to just pull from, and that's in, in my mind, um, Revit is a database, right? It's, it, it is. Each project yeah. itself yeah. is a database of information to pull from. Um, you just got to know what you're looking for. And yeah, dude, I mean, I, I, I completely agree. If we can start, you know, getting into that level of detail for the estimate, before you even get into the project, bidding it or even estimating it, knowing what you're getting into and, and having a good understanding, but also, uh, dude, your, your point there of the data warehouse and being able to analyze that, that is so key to, mm -hmm. you know, actually getting a good, accurate um you know, kind of just pulling from your experience and having that database of knowledge 
um, to pull from and and to say, yeah, I mean, th this is close. Yes, it might plus or minus just a little bit, but we're not going to have any big swings. You know, that's right. huge. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah. And that, again, for us, it, we're in a competitive market, right? And um, we we find that this these technology advancements we made, they do give us an edge over our competition. Um, and, and, you know, that's to sustain for another hundred years, we have to figure out a way to win projects, win clients. And, and we feel like tech technology is one of those advantages for us. Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, that, that can really hurt you if you're estimating too high or too, especially too low. I want to say too low hurt you, <laughs> hurt you yeah. even more, but um, it's, it's a, it's a hard game to play with, with construction and trying to, if you're getting PDFs, especially, right. <laughs> I mean, you get a PDF document and you try to put all this together, but, um, it's, it's pretty difficult in that 2d realm. I mean, you can start really uh, some of the applications I've seen, you can start putting in your database, building assemblies, you know, so you can kind of start to, you know, like you said, kind of answer questions. What slab length, slab width, you know, what's rebar spacing, what's the cover depth, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. we, we can start building that into assemblies, but it's still, it's still not really going to be the 3D model. I mean, right. in all honor, that should have a lot of that data in it and it should just be able to be queried, right? I mean, and we have all these people along the line spending all this time. I don't I mean, that's something I'll, I'll, I could dive into again for hours, but we have all these people kind of recreating that. I mean, they're, mm. they're almost redoing it. Yes. And if you, if you could just pull from that, it's, it's huge. Agreed. I, I think that's that I'm sure they're working on it. I'm sure Autodesk is working on it that, you know, when you draw something, that the software starts to understand what that is, what other components are needed to make that mm -hmm. a wall and what the costs are associated with it. And I mean, I, I know we'll be there. It's just going to take some time. I'm hoping AI expedites that. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I, it's funny, like site, the site work, um, the earthwork is becoming um, more and more of a challenge. So like we, we'll get a 2d drawing, but like instantly we ask for CAD, right? Yeah. Because there's software now that, that analyzes that cut to fill and the topo, um, on a site. Well, they're, they're now coming out with fully automated site work equipment that will, yeah. you just load in the existing, uh, topo and where you, where you, the future, and that piece of equipment using GPS and LIDAR will go ahead and grade that site for you. Yep. Yeah. That's can you imagine? It's so crazy. It is crazy, right? But so let's take it a step further. So when we start introducing that and actually assigning that, you know, autonomous equipment tasks that are associated to design work, which are actually linked to that project schedule, you know, and you have telematics pulling from that piece of equipment, not only does it know where it is and it can see it and, you know, give you last pass and everything like that but it can also give you all the the co2 emissions it can give you yes um yes. It, it gives you like the how much volume it moves i mean it, there's so much it actually gives you real production like if you can pull that back like let's say create a schedule from that telematic data you have your yes. actuals being generated right from the machine and you'd be able to see it 
Dave's yes. actually building it, this right now. That's why he's talking about it. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, the whole the whole world. I, I love I love seeing, you know, you tell AI, hey, design me this using these parameters, or like, you know, tell me the most effective way to do this. And like I've seen the results on some of that, and it just it it's it's otherworldly, right? So I'm dying to know, yeah. like, and and I've I've asked chat GPT you know, what's the <laughs> most efficient way to build, you know, this type of bit. And so it's, it's, it's not in there yet, but I know it's coming. Like we're, we're, we're oh, going yeah. to uh, push the limits. So. Oh yes, Pretty sir. Cool. I completely agree. As we continue to expand yeah. its knowledge base and, you know, we continue to grow our understanding of how we can use it. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it's going to be big. Yeah. Very cool. But Bill, man, thank you so much for spending time with us, man. I, I, I was, uh, I was not sure where this conversation was gonna go. I was, I was very excited, but I'm like, wasn't sure what we're gonna talk about, dude. I loved it, every minute of it. This was awesome. And uh, oh, hey, you definitely, me gave too, me man. Some... <laughs> thank you. You, you gave me some motivation. I want to say to take away from this, though, with, with, uh, you know, some construction STEM programs to try and, you know, uh, we, we have some, some podcasts that come around every once in a while where we'll interview members like yourself that are really going it seems like a going above and beyond in in the construction industry but you know also making a difference in um in your local environment or, or in other environments in other countries um and i love it i just want to commend you for that and thank you so much um dave's got I, I 35 definitely... dave's got 35 <laughs> kids so he's he's all about <laughs> stem programs <laughs> That's five. awesome, man. <laughs> I have a I have a mini engineer, dude. It's so awesome to see his uh his mind work like this kid, the way he puts together things like his Legos and we've got him those uh, you know, Technic kits and they can put it together with a little battery inside of it and they pretty much build an RC car out of Legos. Mm, and cool. Yeah, right? And I mean, so I've seen stuff like that I haven't seen any um, construction like I've sh I shown him form it and, you know, he gets in there and he loves being able to push and pull. But I'd love I would love to expose him to, you know, digital construction. He loves VR for gaming, you know, like most of the kids going into middle school um, do. But to yeah. be able to introduce them to that level, that construction, that coolness. I mean, for me as a kid, that was like 007 Goldeneye, you know, the first person <laughs> we're walking through buildings and stuff or Halo, you yeah. know, but yeah. for these kids, man, we could, I mean, ah, it, the sky's the limit, I say, but it's awesome to see everything that we have out there to get them into it. And I, I'd love to be able to introduce that to them. Yeah, agreed, man. And, and kudos to you, man. Um, I have two kids of my own and, and try to, you know, expose them to as much as I can and, and see what they're interested in. And, um, so kudos to you and, and the future city program, you can go check out it's futurecity.org. Um, it's all around the country. And, you know, when your kids are in middle school, hopefully they can, uh, participate and it's a great program. So guys, awesome, I, I had dude. a blast today with you. So thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you all for listening and Bill, thank you for joining us. Uh, Definitely makes us feel like we're slacking here. So we'll get after it now. <laughs> hey, thank well, you, thank, Bill. Take care, guys. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. Bye-bye. Hey there, BIM coordinators. Are you tired of confusion and miscommunication that often arise during complex project coordination in Navisworks? Well, listen up. 
because we've got some exciting news for you. Introducing Sherlock by Flypaper, the top-of-the-line clash coordination plugin for Navisworks, built by BIM coordinators for BIM coordinators. Imagine a world where clashes and conflicts in your models are effortlessly detected, resolved, and communicated. With Sherlock, you can transform your Navisworks experience into a seamless collaboration powerhouse. Gone are the days of sifting through endless clash reports and struggling to communicate issues with your team. With Sherlock, you'll streamline your coordination process like never before. This powerful plugin simplifies your coordination workflow by applying technology where it makes sense and puts you in the driver's seat of coordination management. It's like having a dedicated coordination companion right at your fingertips. Visit flypaper.com forward slash Sherlock, ready to clash with confidence and coordinate with clarity using Sherlock.